welcome to the Better Birth Podcast with Erin Fung, hypnobirthing instructor. Join me as I talk to industry experts about all things birth, pregnancy and beyond. So welcome to um, this session um, today with uh, myself um, and um, um, Samina. Um, This is um, a session on acupuncture for pregnancy. Um, And um, we're going to be covering lots of different topics. Um, Hopefully you have questions to ask Samina. Um, I have um, some questions that have been submitted beforehand as well, um, which which will be going through. Um, just to introduce myself, in case you don't know who I am, um, my name's Erin. Um, I am a hypnobirthing instructor with Better Birth, um, and um, I teach hypnobirthing um, classes online and in person in and around Bromley and Kent and Southeast London. Um, I'm a mum of three. Um, and I've been teaching um, since the birth of my third uh, third baby, my son, um, a year ago, um, because the hypnobirthing made such a huge impact on me and my birth um, that I wanted to um, empower and share that uh, positivity with, with other other uh, pregnant people. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been I've, it's been really really busy, and I've, I've had lots and lots of couples that I've helped um, all the way through lockdown, um, particularly um, because uh, lockdown's been so difficult and, and COVID has been so difficult um, for for a lot of birthing people. Um, you need more support now than than ever, um, and I feel very very um, um, blessed and very very grateful to be able to help so many couples, um, particularly at the minute. So that's just a little bit about me. I'll hand over to Samina to introduce herself. And my name is Samina and I'm an acupuncturist and naturopath. And I run a clinic in Brockley, South East London. So I cover a lot of the, um, the South East London area. And I've been practicing now for four and a half, up coming to five years. Um, I mostly specialise in women's health. So women's health as a term is quite broad, but that generally covers all sorts of um, endocrine disorders, gynecological disorders, uh, things like infertility, menstrual irregularities, all the way through to pregnancy and care post-pregnancy, postpartum. Um, I also um, focus on areas such as stress and anxiety and also areas such as pain, chronic pain. Obviously, stress and anxiety is quite a big thing at the moment, and um, I often find that is a big part of the work I do in women's health as well, um, covering all these different aspects. So a lot of these things are very interlinked, um, and I think I find that the, the concerns that women come to see me for are so varied that um, no day is ever the same. Each person is very individual with what they present. So I get a lot of satisfaction of being able to help women, um, especially if they're having, you know, struggling to conceive or having problems with their pregnancy. It's, um, it's really wonderful to be able to be part of that journey with them. Um, during lockdown, it's been interesting as well. Like Erin said, you know, being able to support people during this process um, has been kind of really fulfilling. And um, I found whilst we weren't able to work, I had a lot of my patients kind of coming towards me 
wondering what they could do during lockdown to support themselves and very eager to come back and start again with treatments. I had a number of pregnant clients as well who were, you know, some got pregnant during lockdown and um, once they've been, you know, trying for a while or had their pregnancies were continuing. So they were touching base with me throughout the whole process and started to come and see me once lockdown was um, lifted. So, you know, I see, as I said, quite a variety of people and um, especially with pregnancy, you get a lot of um, clients coming on board who maybe are coming to see me towards the end of their pregnancy, wanting some support with things like uh, stress and anxiety, pain leading up to, or, you know, the idea of pain leading up to the birth and also things like labor inductions and breech birth. So, um, it's quite a varied um, scope of um, ailments that acupuncture can support with. So yeah, that's a, sorry, I probably rambled a little bit, but it's a little bit about myself and, and, what, and what I'm up to. Thank you, Samina. Um, I think before I open it up to questions uh, from, from anybody, mm. would you mind just um, explaining a little bit about what acupuncture is? Of course. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So acupuncture is, um, it's a pillar of traditional Chinese medicine and traditional Chinese medicine originates from China and it's almost 3000 years old. It's one of the most oldest and tried and tested forms of holistic medicine that are out there. And acupuncture is based on the idea of the body has um, 12 meridians they're essentially energetic pathways and these energetic pathways have um, hold our vital energy and our vital reserves when we get ill or when there's an imbalance in the system it's often a result of blockages within these pathways acupuncture needles attempts to in, get inserted into these various different channels at various certain points in order to unblock these pathways that are causing various different imbalances in order to restore um, essentially homeostasis in the body again. Um, I've got my little, I'll just show you, you might be able to see, I've got my little guy, sorry, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> but you can kind of just see the pathways that run all the way down and they run on the back as well. So, you know, it covers the whole system. And the beauty of acupuncture is that it treats patients and clients as individuals. So two people could, I could have two pregnant women who come to see me, for instance, exactly the same um, kind of in terms of where they are in their pregnancy, um, same concerns, they may be both stressed, but the root of that stress could be coming from different places. So I would treat that person as um, how they present to me and their symptoms rather than um, almost like a, a pill that often when you have things like headaches and stuff you just take a pill because everyone's headaches the same and Chinese medicine doesn't view it like that we consider the physical and the emotional part of our symptom presentation to be very intertwined it's you know one will always impact the other so acupuncture aims to rebalance all of these symptoms so that you get a general sense of well-being, as well as a change in the symptoms that you're actually trying to seek help for. Okay, thank you. That's really interesting. <laughs> um, do, does anybody have a question that they wanted to ask Samina? So her question is about nutrition and how acupuncture can help. Her baby has SGA. Well, I'm not sure what know. SGA is. SGA is. <laughs> 
Oh, small gestational, gestational age. age. Yes. Your baby's small for its um, gestational age. Yeah. So um, within acupuncture as well, we Chinese medicine deeply looks at nutrition at the same time. It looks at the energetics of food. So what would happen is that if you were going to go and see a acupuncturist for support, they would look to use points that, first of all, in terms of the actual points itself, things that are going to boost kind of the energy towards the growth of the uterus, um, the baby in the uterus, as well as boosting blood flow to help support growth and cellular change. So sorry, I was saying um, as an example of someone who comes in and they present themselves as very cold, you know, and that's quite common actually in women where you will get um, someone who goes, I just can't ever feel warm enough. Like my, my hands and feet are always really freezing. I always just feel cold to the bone. It's very difficult to warm up. Um, in Chinese medicine, we view that as uh, cold has penetrated the system. So you need to warm the internal radiator up. You won't do that by eating foods that are cold in nature, energetic. So things like um, green raw smoothies or raw foods are very cold in nature. What that person would need in order to kind of get the circulation moving again and blood flow moving again is warm foods because warm foods are energetically moving, they're energetically circulating and they really do help get everything moving again. So when a patient comes to see me, especially if they're pregnant, not only am I looking at the fact of where they are in their pregnancy and actually the symptoms that they're presenting, but I'm looking at the constitution of that patient. And when I decide how that patient manifests itself, you know, as so it could be quite cold, could be quite hot, lots of different ways, I would tailor a program of Chinese nutritional therapy in order to help con uh, counteract those issues that that patient's having. And by doing that and creating again balance in the body, normally you start to see a little bit of change and shifts in terms of a, a small gestational age that of, a, of the fetus that's developing. So that's how nutrition tends to work with, mm -hmm. with patients. Um, that again, that's the beauty of it. It's so individual, it's not the same. Um, the way you know I would treat you would be different I would treat to somebody else so it's really beautiful and that fact it's so holistic so it works like that. Does um, that Shruti, help? Shruti says yeah. is, it, is it just via the foods or, or actual acupuncture? Acupuncture as well yeah acupuncture as well so you I have quite a few different modalities that I use in treatments um, that come under the um, the umbrella of acupuncture in Chinese medicine so dietary uh, advice obviously is one of them um, we also use a method, um, I think would you, and you mentioned about before, Erin, called moxibustion. Mm -hmm. So moxibustion is a form of heat therapy using the herb mugwort. And mugwort actually has infrared, um, infrared um, cellular um, energetic qualities, which means it can penetrate much deeper into, this, into a cellular level in the body compared to standard heat therapy like a hot water bottle or heat lamp and because it can create this cellular change it almost kickstarts the energy system again in order to kind of reboot itself and start moving mm -hmm. so again in using the example of cold in the system using something like moxibustion is going to be really good to bring warmth really like from a kind of deeper level back into the system um, we also use uh, thermal heat lamps as well which also 
provides a deeper level of penetration with heat. We also have bodywork therapies um, known as cupping and gua sha, but they, we use those very um, carefully and very reservedly with pregnancy because they're quite moving techniques. Mm -hmm. So when, if anything's too moving, you know, there's always going to be a small risk of something just unsettling. So we generally stay away from those therapies when, when a patient's pregnant, but acupuncture, moxibustion, um, heat lamp therapy and dietary support are, would be the main kind of four areas that we would focus treatment on when somebody would come to see me. Okay. Um, so, um, you mentioned the moxibustion yeah. and I, I posted about the moxibustion right, yeah. on Instagram because um, I had a, um, a client who um, had a breech uh, baby Yes. Um, <clears throat> and um, she was desperate to get baby to turn because she didn't mm. want to, obviously when you, when you have a breech baby, a breech baby is when baby is presenting bum first or feet yeah. first and ideally you want baby head first when they're born. Um, and um, you have various different options when you have a breech baby, mm. but quite common, quite commonly, women will um, opt to have a elective cesarean um, rather than give birth to a breech birth, yeah. baby. Okay. Although you can give birth to a breech baby vaginally, um, and she was desperate not to have a C-section. Mm. She wanted to get baby to turn. And one of the uh, one of the options for for, for breech, obviously, is using moxibustion. Mm. Would you mind just talking a little bit through how that of works? Course. Um, that works. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of mind blowing because it has a really really high success rate. Yeah, It really really does work. Um, and I'm re I, I'm really interested to know how how using moxibustion can get baby to turn. So um, as we were talking about, moxibustion can reach um, this kind of the inner workings of the body on a much deeper level, much cellular level, and the changes that can occur are far more significant. Mm -hmm. With moxibustion for breach, um, we use, it's just a singular point on the corner of the toe um, on either side. And when we do that, that particular acupuncture point is known to um, help trigger hormonal changes which relax the muscles within the uterus, mm -hmm. allowing to give a bit of extra room and um, it also creates a bit more of a kind of an increase in energy in that area and that can often help the baby become a little bit more active. A lot of women do present that when they've been having um, breach treatment for a few days, they can actually feel like the baby's just getting a little bit more kind of like, almost like they're a little bit more excited. Mm -hmm. So it increases the activity of the baby and encourages it to turn. Um, it's, it's a really relaxing, moxibustion is very relaxing. Most people who have come to see me in clinic, for whatever reasons when they have it, they find it really grounding. Just the smell is just, yeah, incredibly grounding and very relaxing. So it, that combined as well, I think it really just helps the, the mother kind of zone into the treatment a little bit and almost focus their intentions a little bit to the idea of the, the baby actually turning. But predominantly, it's the hormonal change that will trigger that softening and that relaxing and giving more room that will allow the baby to turn. Okay. Um, it, it's even more successful when you do have the manipulation. Um, it's, it's ECV, ECV isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, um, and I've 
you know, research I've done over the years has shown that, you know, actually the two as well can actually make, if you do end up still having to have that, if you've had at least five days worth of moxibustion therapy on that point, it does make the ECV a lot easier and less kind of traumatic on, on the mother as yeah. well. So um, it's incredibly powerful. It's, yeah, it's amazing. That's really interesting because uh, uh, external cephalic uh, version is where they... Yeah manually turn, turn the baby yeah. um, um, to try and get baby to encourage baby um, head down and that's I think normally that's got a 50% success rate so it's 50 yeah. whether it'll work or not um, but yeah I, I didn't I didn't well I didn't necessarily think about using the two together but actually mm. you know, it makes sense that it would make make the ECV more, more yeah successful. what's what's good to note is that what often might happen and it doesn't say that it, it, it isn't as successful but a lot of women may come and present themselves to an acupuncturist um, kind of a lot closer to the, the due date. Mm. And that's often in a way of like hoping that the baby might eventually turn on its own. Mm. You can have success with that. But what you find is that at that point, there isn't much room left for baby to turn at that point on its own so we often recommend that actually you know when you are you know once you discover the baby is breech around about 34 35 weeks the chances of the baby turning if you start moxibustion therapy then are far greater than if you leave it to like 38 39 weeks when it just you know it, it can happen but it might not have a, a, such a degree of success yeah if you come in about 34 35 weeks Okay. Um, Carla's asked if she's using an acupuncturist already, mm -hmm. but it's her first time. How does she know if it's working? Oh, it's so. I don't, it, it depends on obviously the reasons you've come to come to see them. Um, someone who maybe comes in for general well-being or maybe a little bit of anxiety, they would normally present um, if they've experienced acupuncture before and they're fairly comfortable with the procedure itself. Normally once the needles are in, people feel straight away very, very relaxed. They almost sometimes, a lot of people just fall asleep on the table and that is the body's, is triggering the release of neurotransmitters. So when we insert needles into the acupuncture points, they're located very often to nerval pathways which connect to the brain. When we insert a point, we send a signal to the brain to essentially kickstart or change a system that needs regulating. So for example, in the, in the example of um, anxiety, if someone's coming to see me for anxiety, um, from a medical point of view, it's the HPA axis that is under a bit of stress. That's the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. But acupuncture can send signals to those different axes that regulate our nervous nervous response and the, um, the release of things like adrenaline and cortisol, which are stress hormones and can enable it to kind of turn back into a parasympathetic state. So if your body is in fight or flight, essentially when you're feeling anxious and you want to switch it back and acupuncture can do that. So you will generally always feel fairly relaxed straight away. Um, some people report things like better sleep straight away. Um, you can sometimes when you're actually having the needles themselves you might find that you can feel sometimes a tingling sensation at the certain points where the, where the needles are 
or you might have a needle on the side of your foot, but you'll be feeling warmth elsewhere in the body. This is all signs that we've tapped into the right channels and the right points, and we're trying to provoke a change in the body. Again, depending on what someone presents with will depend on whether you see a change in their symptoms straight away or whether it might take a few weeks to kind of resolve itself. Um, and every patient responds a little bit differently. And, you know, the first treatment that you have with an acupuncturist, we normally try and gauge um, and get a sensibility of that patient, whether they are maybe more sensitive or um, are what we call deficient, which is like maybe there's a lot of fatigue and, you know, just tiredness and they're feeling quite withdrawn or someone who is full of energy, their response will always change a little bit. So the hope with someone who has fatigue is that over a few treatments, they will start to feel a little bit more energized. You know, they can keep going a little bit longer. Maybe they don't have their afternoon slumps that they normally might have or someone who's full of bees and, you know, maybe is a little bit too energetic and generally feel like they can step back a little bit and be a bit more calmer. Be more kind of... That's really interesting, especially when, you, when you're talking about um, using the acupuncture for things like anxiety, mm. um, <clears throat> because in, the hip, in hypnobirthing, we, I, I talk extensively about our parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems. Um, and the reason being that when you're pregnant, um, and particularly when you go into labour, um, being in that freeze, fight or flight state and, and secreting yeah. adrenaline can stall the, the progression of labour. Um, and you, you actually want to be in that, uh, that calm that calm state mm, so oxytocin is flowing. So, um, yes, it's interesting, really, really interesting. Oh. How much does a session typically cost? So they vary from each acupuncturist is, you know, they set their charges according to things like area and um, um, just the specialities. Uh, for me personally, I charge, my first appointment is normally 70 pounds. And that's because you have quite a detailed consultation at first, which normally takes about half an hour. And then the treatment itself is normally about 45 minutes to uh, an hour. So um, that's my charge for a first appointment. And then the second appointments are a little bit shorter and they're 60. Um, you, it varies quite a lot within the area. Um, say for um, broccoli itself, there are a few people who charge a little bit less. There are a few people who charge a little bit more. So I'm fairly in the, in the middle, but there are variations. Um, if there is an issue with, or if there's a concern um, in terms of expenses and money, there are also community clinics. So community clinics, um, they differ from uh, private practice in the sense that treatment is not given um, in a one-to-one -one setting. It's giving a setting almost like a hospital ward. So you have a few beds in an open room. I mean, at the moment, it's a little bit more secure with, um, I think a lot of them have got like screens in between the bed. But in that way, you don't have a private session. So there are other patients who can sometimes hear the consultation that's happening. And you are in a room with obviously other people receiving treatment. But that's quite a cost-effective way um, to have acupuncture. And um, some people actually really enjoy the, the community spirit, I suppose, of having other people in the same room receiving treatment. 
And um, so that, that's another way. And there are a few community clinics in, in South London. There's one in Telegraph Hill, um, obviously in this area. And there's one, oh, whereabouts is it? There's one in Sydenham and there's one in Camberwell. So there's a few around if private um, sessions aren't um, are a little bit more cost prohibitive for people. Um, I've got another um, question to ask. Mm. <clears throat> um, so we've mentioned breach, obviously, yeah. but what other um, sort of common um, pregnancy um, symptoms or um, ailments or yeah. whatever you want to call yeah, it that come up. kind of treat throughout pregnancy? So fatigue is a big one, a lot of uh, stress and fatigue. Um, and another really common one is morning sickness as mm -hmm. well. Um, that's probably one of the most common ones that people do come to see me for. Um, stress and anxiety, especially in the first trimester. Um, obviously because that's a, a period where things are still kind of developing and we're waiting for the three month scan. So there's a lot of, understandably, a lot of stress and anxiety that, that comes from that. And as a result, people don't sleep very well. And I think that first, again, that first trimester is when a lot of the energy levels seem to plummet. Yeah. with a lot of pregnant women whereas obviously second trimester tends to be a lot um a bit easier mm. so that tends to be one of the more common ones of, of um, ailments coming to see me how about um things like um <clears throat> obviously as you as baby grows and gets mm. bigger um all of your ligaments start stretch, yes, stretching yeah. and uh, a lot of women suffer with things like spd and then pelvic pain yeah. um can acupuncture help with um yeah things like that yeah absolutely um one of the main things that acupuncture is known for um in, especially in the western world and western medicine is its use in musculoskeletal pain um mm. and again even though we're not trying to change the um the position of the baby at that point or you know you know it's still growing at this stage so you don't want to interfere too much but what you want to do is try and reduce some of the inflammation that's building up in the ligaments and joints and restore blood flow to that area in order for them to just relax a little bit mm -hmm. um, and often that comes about with you know regulating certain hormonal changes as well that are happening at mm -hmm. the same time so it can be incredibly beneficial at that stage Especially, I've had, I had someone quite recently who was presenting a lot of uh, pubic bone pain as well. Um, and we did a few sessions and I think it reduced it to, it'd gone from about 80% up to about 40, 30 or 40%. Mm -hmm. So it was enough for her to go, I can manage this now. This is, yeah. this is good. Yeah. Um, and how about um, uh, induction? Because yes. obviously it's another it, that's another quite common thing you've got breach and then you've got women start stressing about being induced and having yeah no of course then, um i imagine that acupuncture is probably another fantastic option to to help definitely things along definitely what's what's really interesting about labor induction is that it uses um there's a number of points that um when a patient is pregnant normally we we don't we stay away from simply because they have an effect of a downward action like i was saying before about miscarriage so these are points that are contraindicated in pregnancy we don't use them at all mm -hmm. we use them a lot in helping women get pregnant so then if the patient does get pregnant we avoid them and then when it comes to around the time where they're thinking about actually they've reached their due date they don't want the induction 
those points are brought back into the mix again because actually that's what we want to create is that downward action for the body to kind of start to, you know, for the cervix to soften and the muscles to relax a little bit and essentially start stimulating uterine contractions. Mm -hmm. And they can, it can be very effective. Sometimes it can be one session. Sometimes you need a couple in order to get going. Um, the two that I've done maybe in the past few weeks, I saw one patient, I think it was like a Wednesday and she thought she just wants to just see what happens. And she went into labor, I think three days later and her induction was due, I think the Monday. So it was well before it was um, planned. And then I had another patient who we did two sessions in three days and her induction was booked on a Monday and she went into labor Sunday night. So it's, um, it, it can be very, very effective. It sometimes might not always work. Um, and there could be other factors at play that are contributing to that, but it generally can be very successful. What I would always say to my patients is that if they are thinking ahead that they, you know, want to ensure that they don't go into labor, that labor induction isn't a treatment that you can have, um, like at, kind of 36 37 weeks it has to be at the point of you know your due date or beyond yeah. um and the purpose being that you want to avoid where possible a manual um a medical induction mm -hmm. if you want the body to almost start to relax a little bit and soften a little bit and get itself prepared both physically and mentally then we look at doing different points starting about 36 weeks in order to prepare the body for labor. But again, none of those downward action points would be used at that point. It would be much later on once we're past them, the G date. Um, Shruti's asked how many sessions before you would see any impact? Um, in a specific condition or? Um, she hasn't said, but I'm, I'm guessing for induction. Induction. So again, it can be, Oh, she's pain, pain. Example, pain. Normally, you would see a shift within the first session. Um, it's very rare for someone to kind of leave the table and go for a week without having feel like the pain has reduced in some level or form. Um, but in order to kind of get pain levels really, really low, you'll normally need probably about two to three sessions. But again, each patient is a little bit different and individual. I've had patients who the pain has just disappeared completely and it's only come back once you know a few weeks after that and actually the severity is much less mm. so um that can often be a way of how pain presents itself is that you know it could still be there but the level of discomfort has reduced and mm -hmm. so it does vary but i would say between one to three sessions is probably um a good example okay does that answer your question shruti great <laughs> <laughs> Um, no problem. We've mentioned um, fertility. Yeah. So how does how does acupuncture help with conception? And conception. So um, acupuncture is um, the way it essentially works is that it's, it's about hormone regulation ultimately. So acupuncture research has shown that again it can directly influence the the HPA and the HPO axes, which are part of the nervous and the endocrine system which helps hormone regulation and by its effect on those actual axes we can actually influence 
um, hormone regulation. So it can support things like where people sometimes have raised FSH levels or um, estrogen levels are quite high or quite low. It can all help with regulating those hormones, which obviously we know is really important for a, um, a healthy conception. Um, by the regulation of hormones, we start to see changes in menstrual cycles as well. So um, it's very common for a lot of my clients to come and will spend a lot of time discussing their menstrual cycle. And I ask a lot of details. Some people think like, you, you know, do you really need to know that? But everything from color, uh, pain levels, um, the type of pain that you have, what time in your period you have it, whether you have ovulation pain, whether it's, you know, um, do you have any clots when you start your period? All of this information paints a big picture for me of where the imbalances are lying within the menstrual cycle itself. Mm -hmm. And when you start any fertility treatment, I'm looking to try and regulate that. Um, and it's very interesting how a lot of people will come in and think that their cycle is fairly normal. So they could go, it's 28 days but actually I have severe pain that knocks me out for two days. So that's normal, right? And it's like, no, it isn't normal. Pain is a sign that something's not right. Mm. So we need to be looking at that and addressing that and trying to regulate that. Um, so these kind of changes can then ultimately have a lot of effect on certain gynecological and endocrine systems. So things like that affect fertility. So things like hypothyroidism, polycystic ovaries, um, endometriosis, um, yeah, just, you know, a number of kind of um, disorders like that. We can often see quite a big change in that and improvements in that. Cycles get like shorter, less heavy, more healthy color of blood, um, less painful. And these are really, you know, people, I think we suffer. We, we think all of this is normal. And we, we tend to just kind of go, okay, this is just part of the monthly cycle and I just have to accept it. And actually that's not the case at all. We don't have to accept it. So when I work with women who are experiencing fertility issues and their cycles are problematic, when you start to see that change in that shift, even if they haven't got pregnant yet, but when you see it, it's like, it's a really beautiful light bulb moment where they feel just like, how did I, why was I just suffering with this for, for so long or mm -hmm. just being fed, you know, very strong painkillers by the GP as a way of suppressing the pain that I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. We can't always reverse conditions, but we can certainly make it more manageable. And ultimately the goal is to improve the cycle so much that actually it results in um, uh, a pregnancy and a healthy pregnancy. Mm -hmm. We also work with um, boosting um, the blood flow to the uterus, which is also really important. A lot of problems sometimes with um, fertility patients is that they can conceive, but actually that it doesn't implant very long. You know, within a couple of weeks it's gone. So you start to work on things like progesterone levels, you know, the, the level of lining that's in the uterus, is there healthy blood flow to the uterus? We're just ensuring that there's all this, um, you know, keeping the uterus and the environment as healthy as possible. And that is good energy flow, nourished, fortified blood flow to the area. Things like endometriosis, for example, is a, an example of a, a disease that where blood kind of stagnates a little bit. So people really describe these awful period pains. 
you know, huge, heavy bleeds, massive clots, you know, of blood clumped together. We want to be working on that and removing that really clotty blood to allow a smoother flow. And when we can get a smoother flow, we normally kind of see changes in people's fertility prospects. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, isn't it? It's, it's got so yeah. many different uses and it's, it's interesting... I mean, I, I, you, you mentioning about all the, the painkillers and things. You, you were mentioning before mm. we before we actually um, started the session yeah. about um, about acupuncture and uh, becoming a bit more mainstream. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I just think yeah, it's, it's um, so what's happened recently. So as I said, pain was probably the the, the main thing that's west the western society and and the western medical healthcare system uh, associated acupuncture with because you know the idea is that you insert needles close to tight bands of fascia and connective tissue and by manipulation of that you can get a, normally a release of, of pain what's actually happening though again is that we're triggering the release of neurotransmitters such as um, endorphins which help which is almost like part of our happy hormones and they can actually help with, with pain. What's happened now is that um, the National Institute of Clinical Health and Care Excellent, which um, it looks after the healthcare systems in, in the UK and, and the different elements that it, um, it covers has actually changed its guidelines so that GP suggesting that GP should now be recommending acupuncture over opioid painkillers for chronic pain, which is a massive breakthrough because obviously as acupuncturists, we've known these benefits for a very, very long time. But for them to actually be acknowledged by um, such a big authority, such as NICE, is, is, is pretty great because the amount of painkillers that the, you know, it's not even the UK society, it's a global thing. You know, we are addicted to painkillers as a, as a society. And the problem with that is that painkillers ultimately will put an extra burden on the body you tend to have additional side effects sometimes depending on the strength of painkillers. I've so many people I know who, who have maybe been prescribed things like cocodamol will complain of um, like constipation or feeling really, really out of it. So you're kind of almost like trying to solve one problem, but you start creating another. It's like a cascade. And obviously with acupuncture, you don't have any of those side effects at all. Um, and actually you are creating shifts and changes in pain that painkillers are ultimately, they might help at the time, but ultimately they're just masking the problem. Mm. Um, acupuncture is trying to get into the root of the problem. It's like, but why are you having this pain? You know, you've got a headache. We can take paracetamol. It's a quick and easy fix, but actually why is that headache occurring? And that's what acupuncture looks to try and find out. It's like, we're like detectives, I think. Um, always literally, you know, as I said, we ask so many questions in order to understand the nature of pain. Why is it different? You know, your experience of pain will be some, so different to somebody else's, but you might both present themselves with headaches to me, but I will treat you both very, very differently because of that. And that's why I think ac- acupuncture has got such a, um, what's the word? It, it's just, it's such a, um, it's got a momentous role to play, I think, in 
the consumption of painkillers in the UK and changing that around. Mm. And I think this, this change of guidelines, which I think is coming into effect later on this year, could be a little bit wrong. But um, I think it's going to be make wonders for a lot of people, um, especially if they already are taking lots of painkillers and drugs for other, you know, other problems. Yeah. So there's less burden on the system for them if they can avoid it so i think it's great and it's just fantastic that it's tapping into the body's own natural reserves and and the and, yeah. and natural systems that one of the things that i teach in my um my classes is because obviously we talk a lot about hormones yeah um because they have such a huge role to play in pregnancy and labor and um when you're building up your stores of hormones and you're, mm. you're building up those that oxytocin and it cascades the release of other hormones yeah and one of them one of them is um um endorphins mm. um and your endorphins are 500 times more um uh, effective in terms of pain relief, pain relief um yeah. than any op opioid pain relief that you can get in in the hospital which i think is mind-blowing mind-blowing right? isn't it when totally. i when i first read it i actually had to go and and, and google it and check because i didn't believe that actually that you could be that you, your own endorphins could be that that powerful that powerful yeah yeah it's, i think yeah, i think there's amazing. um obviously it's a bigger conversation about you know i think how we've all become so reliant on them and feel, you know, that is the only way forward. And I think this just opens it up mm. much bigger. Um, it opens it up a lot more to those people who have maybe been on the fence, not too sure, or, you know, consider has considered acupuncture a bit wackery in the past, you know, um, I think it really solidifies its position as a, you know, an important part of medicine and healthcare throughout the world uh, you know acupuncture is in many societies is used as it's got equal footing in western medical care you know I, I i'm a big fan of western medical care i you know it has a valid and important part to play in our world in our society you know if you needed emergency medicine you go to the hospital you go to um seek these specialists and these 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 people out um but for day-to-day -day concerns, if we can actually prevent people from having to have to go to that extreme length to get the help they need and actually find ways of being able to support them and avoid that kind of scenario, it's, um, I think it's, it's really powerful and really important that that can happen. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's fantastic. Um, uh, Carla's asked, is acupuncture painful? Is it painful? Um, I would say predominantly no, and I'm not going to kind of just kind of lie. Some people are a little bit more sensitive. For the most part, it's painless. What will happen is that when a needle gets inserted, people generally feel like they're aware that something's gone in, but it's 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 very kind of um, like split second of like of a sensation then what they might feel is a slight dull ache or something that feels a bit tingly. That's a sign that we've connected into the right energetic point and we've connected to the channel. So that normally is the main sensation people will feel straight away. Sometimes people don't feel anything at all. Um, and actually that I find those people quite interesting because actually they require the needles to be stimulated a little bit more in order for them to get that, that 
what we call the chi connection with that point. But acupuncture needles, um, I don't know if you've ever seen them before. I don't actually have any here with me. Um, they're almost like the size of, a, of a, like the, a strand of hair. That's how thin they are. So a lot of people just do not feel them being inserted in at all. Some people may feel a little bit, but with any sensation that you do feel is momentary. And it's completely different to say if you're having an injection or blood test where actually, you know, I, you know, I had blood tests very recently and I kind of went, you know, I, I winced a little bit because it's like I had to look away because, you know, you just, and I, and I use needles every day, <laughs> but I still just like, no, no. And, and it's a completely different sensation, you know, mm. um, I'm quite often at home just needling myself, watching TV, <laughs> putting a few points in, um, which is quite funny. But um, yeah, so that, that's generally the kind of sensations that you would expect to feel when you have a session. And um, Carla's also asked, how do you mm. stimulate the needles? So you, once the needle is in position, essentially, so uh, for example, I just wonder if I can show you on my hand. So there's an acupuncture point here, for example. I will initially tap it in, so it kind of penetrates the skin surface, and then I push the needle slightly further down into the correct depth. Depth changes according to where the point is on the body. When I've reached the correct depth, the stimulation will involve me kind of almost rotating the needle in a, either an inward motion, so something like that, if you see how my fingers are going, or I'll be going the other way like that. And the difference between those is depending on what action I'm wanting that point to achieve. So, um, for example, if someone presented with me, um, they've come in, they're exhausted, they're quite fatigued, their energy reserves are very, very low. In Chinese medicine, that's what we call deficiency. So there's a weakness, there's something lacking there. So what we want to do is build that person up. If I was to do the action of kind of slowly inwards, my intention is that I'm trying to reinforce the energetic principle of that point. I'm trying to tonify, I'm trying to nourish, I'm trying to build that person up. If someone presents to me with a pounding headache that's throbbing, it feels like it's bursting out of their sides, that's what we call um, a, a kind of syndrome of excess. It's like it's very full, you know, it's, it's not, um, it's very pounding in nature. Mm. So what I want to do is try to reduce that. So when I'm doing this, going kind of like that, I'm actually pulling the needle a bit more aggressively, a bit more out rather than slowly inwards. I'm, you know, it's a bit hard to show, and I hope it's making a little bit of sense on the screen, but kind of going out, mm -hmm. that kind of stimulation is to reduce something that's really excessive, excessive pain, strong pain, um, but someone who is just weak, and just tired and just like they, they as I said they need building up so the actions are much more gentle mm -hmm. and reinforcing so that's generally how you would stimulate sometimes you do uh, a technique that's kind of somewhere in the middle and that's again based on the presentation that a client comes in with and how I use that does that help <laughs> does anybody else have any any other questions before we wrap up just wait to see if anyone else yeah, wants to no, type anything. 
Oh, Shruti says, how does she book a session? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, obviously, you know, depending on who you wanted to book it with, um, the main port of call and a good port of call is to visit the British Acupuncture Council website. That's the main regulatory body in the UK for acupuncturists. There are a few others as well, but that's the main one. And that means that the acupuncturist has a, um, gone through a degree level training. So that's often three years um, either through a diploma or an actual degree, but it's always degree level. It means that we've had thousands upon thousands of hours of training and um, clinical experience. So that would definitely be the first port of call. Mm. Then um, you, depending on if what the concerns are, obviously uh, with something like fertility, uh, there's a group of people called um, the Acupuncture Fertility Network. And those acupuncturists have had extra additional training in things like gynecology, obstetrics, all of that. Um, and it just shows an advanced level of knowledge into that area. So if you're looking for something specific, the Acupuncture Fertility Network is a good one to go to. But if you're looking for a general acupuncturist in the area, but you want to ensure they've got a good level of knowledge and grounding, then the British Acupuncture Council is the place to go where you can literally type in a postcode um, of your area and it comes up with everyone who's listed in the area then it's essentially it's a case of kind of going through and seeing which acupuncturist you know resonates with you ultimately um, people have different preferences of the kind of people that they're looking for in in therapy so um, it's often a case of kind of like researching them and seeing what their specialities are most acupuncturists will talk about their specialities on their website um, so yeah that's that's a general one um, if you wanted to book in with me, then you can kind of just head to my website, which is um, saminahader.com if you wanted to get in touch. So um, if that's the case, feel free to send me a message. I'll, um, I'll drop everybody a, an email with, uh, with your details. After yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, just to make sure that everyone's got, got, your, got your details. Perfect. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> much, Samina, for today. Oh, no, you're very really, welcome. Really I hope it's been useful for everyone and you know if if sometimes questions come up afterwards as well so um on my website there is my email address is there so even if you just have a few questions that uh, or you know something you wanted to just discuss in private please feel free to email me and i'll, I'll do my best to um come back to you as quick as i can with an answer hope that helps thank you so much no you're welcome you're welcome thanks everyone thanks bye 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 the Better Birth podcast and all of its content is for educational and informational purposes only. You should consult your midwife or your doctor for anything in relation to your own pregnancy and birth. The opinions and the views of the guests on the Better Birth podcast are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Better Birth or Erin Fung. <laughs>